Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Are you alive? Are you awake? Are you breathing? Right? We got a few of you. Kids, y'all still look shell-shocked from a week of school. Y'all okay? (laughs) You're not? Uh, Well, I bet by the end of the day you'll be all right. I bet by the end of the day you'll be okay. Good to have everyone that's able to be here. Good to see you. Good to, good to be seen by you. Good to be here. Um, I have just a couple of announcements as we're getting ready to go on into um, the sermon part of the, of the service. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 is where we're going to start. We're going to do a little jumping around um, right here at first. We're going to start with 2 Chronicles 16.9, then we're going to go to Luke 1 and 30, and then Acts 1 and 4. So we're going to jump around just a little bit, but I promise, by the grace of God, we're going to tie it all together. Something, something God's been laying upon my heart for the last few weeks, and it is, has a whole lot to do with prayer, and a whole lot to do with taking now this time to, to learn how to watch and pray and really seek God, because I know that as crazy as things are, God has a plan for all of this. And I just want to be found right there in the middle of that plan. Um, so 2 Chronicles 16, 9 is where we're going to start. One of, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite verses there in Chronicles. Um, as you're turning there, just a couple of announcements. Um, we were so thankful, so blessed to be able to go and pray for Lake Hamilton School actually go to the campus there and drive all around the campus to each and every single building, pray and lift up the name of Christ and plead the blood of Jesus over every single building, over every single uh, place there from preschool and and primary all the way up to the administration. Um, So we're so thankful to be able to do that. And we have been asked to go now to Langston School. So um, I will be at Langston School today at 4 o'clock. We'll meet there at Langston in the parking lot in front of the building there or somewhere real close. And uh, we're going to pray for, for that school. We're going to plead the, the blood of Jesus Christ over that school. We're going to plead that the Holy Spirit move in the rooms and the hallways and the administration and the, the teachers, the, the staff, faculty, everybody, the kids. We're going to pray because, hey, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a stirring. I'm looking for... Looking for a stirring of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. So we're, we're excited about going there today at 4 o'clock. Anyone that wants to can come on out and be a part of that. Um, maybe someone in the community, one of the teachers, or any one of us that just wants to show up and ask God's blessing upon that. Because um, I, uh, I believe we're living in some days that the enemy is going to try to do some stuff. Okay, I'll be the only one. <laughs> I believe that we're living in some days where the enemy is really, really going to try to distract his people and try to cause a stir and cause a stink, but let me be glad God knows how to handle those things, right? God knows how to handle those things. 
So we are excited about being there today at 4 o'clock at Langston School. All right. Oh, uh, real quick, I do want to make this announcement just to make sure everybody's clear on everything. Um, we, I, we're doing Wednesday night just a little bit different. Um, Wednesday night, we have been trying to do just a live Bible study service. Um, it's been buffering really bad on Wednesday nights. I think there's two or three reasons for that, and we're working on resolving all that we can. But until we get to that point, what we're going to do is I am going to pre-record Wednesday night Bible study. I'm going to do that whenever I can fit it into the schedule, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, something like that. I'm going to go ahead and pre-record that Bible study. And we will post it. We will put it on Facebook live there at 630. So if you, if you can't make it here on Wednesday and you still want to watch Bible study, Wednesday night, 6.30, boom, it's going to be there. Uh, we've been talking about the book of Revelation, been going through that. Um, if you want to get caught up on that, you can go to our YouTube channel and go back and look at all of the, the previous ones. We also have podcasts. You can go look that up. You can also go to our website, rockcreekfamilychurch.com, and look, at, look at for all of those there. So if you want to get caught up, you can do that. But we are going to pre-record Wednesday night Bible study going to do a live Bible study, it just won't be recorded. So I will be here at 6.30 Wednesday, loaded and ready for bear, so if you want to come and be a part of that, since we're not going live then, we're actually going to take an opportunity to be a little bit more in discussion, just where we can kind of bounce things off of each other and just kind of get all of our hearts kind of coming together and what the Word of God says. If you have any questions... It'll, you'll be able to, to, answer, to ask those questions and we'll work through those. So it'll be a little bit more of a discussion type, um, almost a small group type feel there uh, on Wednesday nights. So, okay, that's really kind of the two big announcements that we want to get going. Um, also, of course, continue to be praying for the schools, continue to be praying for the teachers and the students and all the stuff that's going to be going on. I know. I know the students and the teachers are like, hey, it went great last week. We'll see how it goes this coming week. Because I know at any given time, things can change. Um, but I do believe that the, the teachers and the principals and the counselors, staff, they're doing such a wonderful job at, at handling things this year. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. All right. Without further ado, let's get on. Get on. Second Chronicles. Chapter 16 and verse 9. And I'm really going to focus on like the first, like two-thirds of that verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Go now to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Everybody say Merry Christmas, right? You read this and you think, oh, it's a Christmas story. It's Christmas in August. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. One more time. 
Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Don't have to turn too far there, just to go through Luke and John there. Then you hit Acts chapter 1 verse 4. you got to say, I got it. And being assembled together with them. Aren't you glad God knows how to assemble? He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you have heard from Me. Father God, we love You. We thank You. We worship You. And we honor You, Lord, with all that we are. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Your Word that is life to us. Your Word that is bread to us. Lord, I thank You that You have given us this Word to know You by. And I pray that the Holy Spirit that divinely inspired this Word on men of old would divinely inspire our hearts and our minds to hear exactly what You would have us to hear today. We need You, we love You, and we lay our attentions down at Your feet. Say, here I am, Lord. Speak to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm a little bit of a cheapskate. I know that might surprise some of you, but I'm a little bit of a cheapskate. That's why I, will, that's why I still have t-shirts in my closet that I have had for almost 20 years. And every time... Some, thank you, I have a witness. Can we tell... Oh, we had, why is it just the guys? <laughs> why is it just the guys raising your hands? Um, and every time I find one of those t-shirts in the trash can, you better believe I'm digging that bad boy out. And then I'm going to give it the sniff test to make sure... Well, if I need to throw it in the laundry again or not, that, that's right. It's comfy. It's broke in. I've got holes in certain places that are supposed to be there for air conditioning purposes. All right? Thank you for the men of the house willing to stand up and be men today. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not men. Maybe you are... Uh, hey, I had, I had a grandmother that saved everything. Everything, and I realized they kind of came through that, that depression era, and I had grandmothers and grandfathers. They saved everything. So it, it, that, that cheapskate is, is deep in my blood, okay? It's deep inside of me. That saving stuff is deep inside of me. I don't quite go so far as to save every single toilet paper tube, uh, but, but as they did. But that's, that, that's when you know it's rough. That's when, that's when times and seasons are rough, when you... When you have to save even the tube there. there. There you go. Or you're a teacher. That's right. That's right. If you're a teacher, you save it all so you, can, you know somehow hundreds of kids are going to need it for some kind of craft or something like that. That's right. So there is purpose in it, right? There's purpose in my cheapskatedness. Um, but in my cheapskatedness, every once in a while, I will see something that I want. And I will see it, and as I see that, I will begin to justify what I need to pay to get that, right? Sometimes, though, I will see something, and I will go, ooh, 
that looks like something I'd want. I think I'd like to have that. And then I will go and I will find where that is. But as I go from point A, as in seeing it and thinking I want that, to point B, as in going to the actual store and picking it up for myself and buying, purchasing it and taking it home, somewhere between A and B, I make up in my mind what I think it ought to cost. If I see something on, if I see something, I'll say, "All oh, right, I like that. Uh, it should maybe cost about twenty-ish dollars, something, and that's okay. I got twenty bucks to spare. I got twenty bucks in my pocket. We can do that. I can swing that." Uh, and I'll justify that $20 all the way to the store. And as I'm in the store and I'm hunting for it, I got that $20 right here and it's wearing a hole in my pocket. And then I will finally find the item, which I actually did this about a month ago. I thought there was something I really needed. Thought in my mind that ought to be about $20 to $25. Thought that was okay. Went and finally found it, searched, it, searched for it, got it. Picked it up. When I picked it up and I rolled it over, guess what? No price. How many of you love it when that happens? It's free. It's free. It's the five-finger discount. It's, it's free. You take it, you stuff it. And you're, no, kids, I'm just kidding. You know, they're like, Pastor Steele. No, okay. So what do you got to do? You got to hunt all over the store for the little scanner, right? And then you'll go to a scanner and you'll bloop. And then it says error. And you're like, ah. Oh. So then you got to go, finally, you find a scanner and you scan the thing, and all of a sudden it comes up, bloop, $42.38. And then I'm caught in a conundrum. What do I do with it? I really wanted it, I talked myself into it, saved back 20 bucks for it thinking that's about what it's going to cost. If it's a dollar or two, a little bit more, that's great. I can handle that. If it's two, three dollars less, whoo, bonus. I get to go for the, the McDonald's for lunch, right? But what do you do when you think it's 20 bucks? You really want it, and you scan it, and up comes over $40. 42 bucks, I'm thinking, is it worth that? Now, all of a sudden, everything changes. And now I have to make this decision. Is it worth? Is what I wanted really worth twice as much as I was willing and thinking I was going to have to pay? Leonard Ravenhill says this. The one single reason we're not seeing revival is because we are content to live without it. And we have determined that the price to pay for it is too high. Too stiff. Too stiff, which means I couldn't go, I couldn't have that in my hand, say 42 bucks, that's too high 
Forget that. I couldn't go to an associate at the store and say, all right, $42 is too high. How about I start the bidding at $10? Would you take $10 for it? And he comes back and says, no, I'm sorry. It's going to be at least $30. And I say, well, no, $30 is still a little bit high. Let's meet somewhere in the middle at $20. And he says, sold. You got it. It's not like a yard sale situation there. There's no, there's no negotiation to that price. It has been set. It is there. You either want it bad enough to pay the price or you put it back on the shelf and learn to live contently without it. Leonard Ravenhill, I believe, as I say this one more time to hopefully let it sink in deep, Leonard Ravenhill says that is oftentimes what we do with a move of the Spirit and a move of revival. That we realize that life is going okay enough without it, that I can just be content here and just put it back on the shelf and say, eh, maybe I'll just get it another time. Maybe I'll save back and I'll hold back. And Now this is the day, you know, this is, I'm not counting layaway. How many of y'all remember layaway? Right. Maybe I can put it on layaway and pay a little off here and there, here and there, and stay comfortable and still reach for it. And God is trying to I think, tell us, that's not the way revival works. It's not the way that his, the move of His Spirit works. You see, you can't negotiate with God. You can't say, alright God, I know you really want me to watch and pray, but you see, I'm really busy. And since I'm really busy, I can't really give you the watch and pray part. I can just give you the, the, just a little bit of the pray. Just a little bit of that. That's, that's what I'm comfortable with giving. That's maybe, maybe every once in a while on a Sunday I can do the watch thing. Or, or maybe every once in a while I'll put on K-Love instead of another radio station. And we can kind of call that a little bit of worship and prayer as I'm driving. Thing, which, hey, I give God praise for K-Love, all right? And, and we kind of compartmentalize God, whether we realize it or not. We compartmentalize Him and say, all right, God, here is this area of my life where, where you can work in. But this area, these areas over here, I'm okay with working in them. And so far, we're scooting through in a pretty decent way. But then inevitably, one of those other areas gets in a mess. And then what I want God to do is jump out of this area and come over into this area and help me straighten out this area over here. And then we'll get it straight and, oh God, whatever I've got to do, we're going to work it out. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to see you move. And then, and then He does miraculously and amazingly through mercy and grace. He does something. And then I'm like, woohoo, that's wonderful. Now, let's take you and put you right back over here. And then we go about our business. Our business of being content and where we are. It reminds me of the time between the Testaments. 
The 400 plus years of dark ages and dark times and dark seasons, it's, 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 it's a time between the testaments where we see that the, the, the spirituality was mundane and people were not hearing from God. And there was a season of sterility and a season where it was just kind of dark and blank and quiet and still. Now there was a lot of fighting going on. There was a lot of wars going on. There was a lot of exchanging kingdoms and exchanging uh, properties and, and, and and deeds and lands and things that were going on. But as far as spiritually speaking, things were really, really quiet. And this is where I read that God says that His eyes are always going to and fro throughout the earth, looking for somebody's heart to be loyal to Him. Especially whenever he knows he's about to do something and break the silence. See, God had this timing thing all figured out. And God knew what he was going to do before the people even knew it. God knew that time was up and time was now. And I'm just looking for someone who's given me their heart in such a way that they're going to be loyal to me, and that's the heart that I'm going to use to begin to move in it to cause a stirring, powerful move of the Spirit and the presence of God to be in the earth. Let me give you another example of this before we get to the example I'm, uh, I'm talking about in the New Testament here. The, look at the time in which the cries of the people in Exodus, in Egypt, in Exodus, there, the cries of the people, God said, has come before me. I'm listening, I'm hearing them, and I've determined now is the season and now is the time to move. And I'm needing someone to rise up and be willing to just not give me perfection. How many of you are glad he doesn't ask for perfection? Ah, oh, good. Half of you are not perfect like me. The other half, y'all are, y'all are good and perfect. I'm glad he doesn't ask for perfection, but he does ask for loyalty. He does ask for loyalty. Righteous man may fall seven times. Been there. <laughs> but every time he gets back up. Now it doesn't mean he gets back up in his own strength. I'm not, I'm not talking about earning your own way of salvation. That's not the case. Because we sit in a great darkness and needing a light to reach us. I'm not talking about earning your own salvation because I believe though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get back up. I believe that is because we have the mighty right hand of God picking him back up, dusting him back off, cleaning him up, raising him up, saying, look at me, boy. It's going to be okay. Let's clean you off. Let's set you right. And let's walk this thing out together. God is looking for someone to move in. He's looking for a loyal heart. I know it's been an age of darkness. And I know maybe in your own spirituality, you're just needing the next level. There's something about you craving the next level. There's something about you that says, i got to have more than what I had last year or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. i got to have something. I feel this drawing. I feel this pulling. i got to get to a next level. And that's where you got to determine, are you willing to pay the price for that? Or are you willing to go, mm, I'll just put it back on the shelf. 
And God here, we read in the book of Luke, I think He's looking. He knows it's His time. It's time for a move of God to happen. It's time for God to do something in a way no one has ever seen before. It's time for God to show up. It's time for God to personify and make His presence tangible somehow to His people. And what's God doing? He's going to and fro looking for someone who has a heart that says, I don't know everything there is to know, Lord, but here I am. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but here I am. Like Moses at the burning bush. God, are you sure me? But if you say so, here I am. Like Isaiah chapter 6 in the throne room of heaven where God says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, even though I'm unclean, even though I'm not perfect, even though I'm not always right, here am I. Send me. And we find here again in Luke chapter 1, a maiden, a young girl in some cases, a young lady maybe in that day and era and time, a young lady that is giving God a humble expression of her life and her heart saying, God, if you're going to do anything, here am I. If you're looking for somebody to praise you, look my way. If you're looking for somebody to worship you in the middle of this dark season, look my way. If you're looking for anybody to humbly do whatever your will is in the midst of this season of silence, look my way. If you're, if you're looking for anyone to speak, look my way. And she says this even though she is a woman in that day and in that time, which it was not very popular for women to be able to do that. Their testimony, their witness really didn't count that much. But to God, He says, that's exactly what I want is someone who realizes that in their own strength and in their own way, they're inhibited a little bit. But when they come to know Me, I will bust that box out. I will tear those walls down. I will bust that door open. I will open a door that no man can shut. It doesn't matter what you feel like is holding you back. When I'm finished with you, I will do the impossible because with God, all things are... Come on, somebody say something. Yell it through a mask if you have to. Someone said, well, wait a minute, Pastor. How do you know that Mary was doing that? How do you know because of what I just read to you. It's a phrase that most people skip right on through. They think just because she was of the, the, lineage, the right lineage and the right bloodline, that was the only reason why God chose her. Wrong. I don't believe that she was absolutely perfect. And I don't think she thought she was absolutely perfect. Because when God says through the angel that this is going to happen... What does she repeat back to, or what does she say back to the angel? She says, I don't see how it can happen. I'm not necessarily the perfect one for the job because I'm not even married yet. But she says, nevertheless, I'm the maidservant. If he wants to do this, he can do this. So it's not that Mary was perfect. 
And it's not, not that Mary only had the bloodline thing going, even though that's very important. But that's okay, because God settled the bloodline issue by giving us His blood, right? He calls us all royalty. He calls us all His. He calls us all His, his royal priesthood. So we all, we, we, we don't have that excuse anymore. But this phrase here, where the angel tells Mary, when Mary is in awe of how this is going to work out, why me? The angel says, because you have found favor with God. That word found favor, it's not, the, or, or that phrase, you have found favor, is actually all one word in the Greek there. That, that phrase doesn't mean you were just walking along, looking up in the air, scratching your head, and oops, you tripped over the favor of God, and you fell, and you turned and you looked and said, well, what is that? That's not the meaning of this phrase. This phrase, you have found favor with God, it is an action. It is something that you have been looking for. It means that you have, you have been a recipient of a blessing that you have been looking for. She had a heart to worship God in spirit and in truth because the hour now is that true worshipers no matter what the excuse, no matter what you think is holding you back, will worship in spirit and in truth. And God is looking for an empty vessel to pour His life into. He's looking for someone willing to pay the price of intimacy to, get, to allow Him to come into her. To allow her life to be conducive, to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can breathe in her a life that she couldn't do on her own. The secret place is meant for intimacy. Intimacy is meant for conception. And when conception happens, expectation comes. When expectation comes, Everything in life changes. Why you do things, how you do things, when you do things, where you do things. Everything changes. The whole meaning of life changes. Things go different when you're fully expecting. You eat different. You talk different. You walk different. You think different. Things are different. It affects everything. And God says, that is who I'm looking for. To and fro, who is willing? Who's willing to pay the price of intimacy so that I can breathe life into them? And really, if you think about it, that's a lot of why Jesus did His ministry for three to three and a half years. It was to go around looking working with His hands and His feet, looking for those who needed life. Looking for those that had this, this, this oppression upon them that said that, that they felt like life was taken from them for whatever reason. He meets one father who says that Satan's taken life from my son. 
He meets another lady who says that this sickness of the issue of blood has taken life from me. He goes to, he gets approached by Jairus and he says that life is gone from my daughter. He gets approached by Lazarus, his family, and says, if you would have been here, we would have had life. He gets approached by blind men who say, if only I had you move in my life, then I would actually have life. He sees men with withered hand who wants to be made whole so bad, they're hiding in the back of the synagogue in the church, holding their hand back, hoping that nobody sees it, but, yet, but desperately asking for God to touch it. And then he calls them out and says, stretch forth that withered hand. So out of all of these people he's going to, he's going to those who have felt entombed. Like life has just been knocked out of them like breath. How many of y'all have ever had the breath knocked out of you? Have you ever fell in a way where you just, all you can do is just gasp like, it's all I can do. And yet that is exactly the, who Jesus is walking and reaching to. And you've got so many excuses of why God can't move in them. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a half-breed. I don't have it right. I'm a woman. I don't know if, if my witness will count. I've got leprosy. I'm blind. I'm dead. <laughs> and Jesus breaks down every single excuse. With a breath of life. Like God in the garden taking His hands and molding together miraculously. Not a monkey, but you and me, a man. Molding Him together for the purpose of breathing life into Him. Jesus is the hands and the feet of God gone before the wind and the breath of God. Molding people and gathering them and pulling them together as if to say, God is getting ready to breathe life on us. And there's people, even today, that feel entombed and entrapped from all kinds of situations and circumstances. i got excuses too. God, if only this would happen. And if only this would not have happened. And if I would have made this better choice there. Or if I got this one habit that keeps pulling me back. Or I've got this one hang up that won't let me go. Or I've got this one struggle. If I could just get released from this one struggle, then I would give you my all. Then I would be intimate. Then I would pay the price. God, I've got this and I've got that. I've got depression. I've got anxiety. I've got doubts. I've got fears, I got worry, I got sickness, I got reports, I watch too much of the news. I've got all of these circumstances. If God, if only COVID wasn't here, then life would be great and I would, well probably what I would do is go about my own business because everything would be comfortable then. And I feel entombed sometimes. With all of this stuff that wants to bear down on me like spiritual claustrophobia. But this is where I give God praise. Because my Jesus knows how to work in a tomb. 
My Jesus allowed His dead body to be laid in a tomb to prove to me that a dead body can start breathing in a tomb. A dead body can start waking up and rising up no matter the oppression, no matter the darkness, no matter what's going on. A dead body, a chest cavity can start rising and lowering and breath can start entering because where breath is, there is hope. Breath, breathing, it's a basic fundamental of life. You got to do it, right? Breath, but, but think about what it is. Breathing is, it is breathing in, taking in something you can't even see. And yet the thing that you can't see gives life to your entire body. Jesus comes out of the tomb. To prove to us that even in dark seasons, He's still breathing. Even in weaknesses, He's still breathing. Even when we're afraid. Even when we're scared. Even when we're uncertain. Even when we don't know what to do. He's still breathing. I want to tell someone today, you have been wondering, how how can this... How can the move of God happen in my life? It can happen because He's still breathing. So when Jesus comes out of the tomb, what does He do? He gathers His disciples together. He he allows them all to get in one place, at least the close disciples. And in John 20, 22, what does He do when His disciples are there together? He could have drawn a big picture. He could have unrolled the sky and said, see, this is what, this is what the throne room of heaven looks like. He, he could have said, hey, here's A, B, C, and D. That, that future is going to all work out for you. What does He do to answer all of their problems? The Bible says He brings them together and He breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. As if to say, I know that the circumstance has knocked life and breath out of your body, but now I'm resuscitating you back into My kingdom to do something for Me. Even the, even the disciple who doubted, even the doubter and the deserter, even Thomas and Peter, who wasn't there in the very beginning, he goes and searches them out like the shepherd leaving the 99, going to find the one who deserted him. Bringing him back in love as if to say, all I need, Peter, is a loyal heart. Let me take the rest. Just all, you, all I'm asking is for you to give me an intimate and loyal heart and I will take care of the rest. Miss Clara in the war room. How many of you like the Miss Clara in the war room? I'd like to see her preach here one day. That'd be really cool, right? Miss <laughs> Clara in the war room tells Priscilla Shire in one scene, she, she says, your job is not to fix everything. In her case, she was fixing the husband. Your job is not to fix that. Your job is to plead and pray to God and then get out of the way and watch Him do it. What Jesus is trying to say to you 
and me is the same thing he's saying to his disciples. Prayer is like breath. It's like breathing to you. It's like God wants to be. Because prayer is ultimate communication and fellowship with Him. And it's prayer. God says, I don't want prayer to be compartmentalized like you think you can, can compartmentalize God. I, prayer should be in every aspect of your life. When you're really expecting God deep down inside of you, then prayer is in every aspect that you in your life are doing. Everything, everything, prayer should be involved in everything. Maybe it's a prayer of thanksgiving, maybe it's a prayer of supplication, but in either way, pray without ceasing. Jesus gathers His disciples, pulls them all together, and then that's where we read in Acts chapter 1, where Jesus says, here's a key, wait here in Jerusalem. Wait. Wait. Now Jesus said wait, but the disciples did something when He said wait. When Jesus said wait, it didn't mean that they just went about their normal life as if God never did anything and God is finished with doing anything. When He said wait, that doesn't mean that you grab a coloring book and you just start coloring and say, well, whatever will be, will be. That's not the kind of wait that, that Jesus was meaning. Because when Jesus said wait, the disciples said pray. It's almost like following the life of Jesus for three and a half years, they learned that every time Jesus prayed and waited on God, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They began praying. And when they began praying, the Bible says that God found them in unity, praying on the day of Pentecost in such a way that He looked on them and said, I see hearts that are loyally worshiping, praying, and seeking Me. Now, I'm going to breathe my breath of life on them. That's why the wind blew and filled the house. Too many of us are seeking reputation more than revival. Too many... Too many of us are content with holy gadgets instead of a move of the Holy Ghost. Hey, I'm one of them. I got 15 Bible apps. I only use really three, but I got more in case I need it. Right? I've got books out the... Out, out the I mean, I got books coming out my ears. I got books I haven't even read yet, but they look good on the shelf. Right? God's, and it's, hey, read all you can. That's great. Leaders are readers. I believe that. But if you were to ask me, what does it take to see God move in your life? I want to. Even the air conditioner went quiet on that one. 
I want to. A willingness to sit in anonymity and be intimate with God. And say, God, here I am. Whether things are falling apart or things are great, here I am. Whether I feel entombed by grief or entombed by worry or entombed by depression or fear, here I am. I may not be perfect, I may have struggles, but I will be loyal. And I will empty my vessel out for this main reason. And it's the reason of you breathing into me. Steph, can you come play? I was hoping you'd jump and leap over the altar. Don't have your Reebok pumps or your Jordans, right? It's a want to. I ask all the time, mostly because I feel God asking me. How many of you want to see God move? You just took revival off the shelf. And now you've rolled it over and you're wondering the price. And I'm here to tell you, and I know, I hope this doesn't bust your religious bubble, but I'm here to tell you the price is stiff. It's rigid. Price is what the price is. But I'm also here to tell you that Jesus paid that price so that He could open up the secret place of the Most High to where all you have to do is want it bad enough to grab a hold of it and pull it into your heart and say, God, this is not just a part of me. This is all of me. Your presence is everything that I'm about. Prayer is everything that I'm about. Prayer is what keeps me up. Prayer is what lays me down. Prayer is what gets me going. Prayer is what helps me out. Prayer is knowing you and knowing you is intimacy. And when I'm intimate with you, I receive life conceived in me that I thought was impossible. I need you. I need you. Now I'm going to ask you for now that you see the price that was paid for you that was rigid and stiff full, complete whole heart. How many of you are glad when Jesus hung on the cross, He didn't give part of His heart. He didn't say, well you are this big and you're in that little part of my heart and that's all I'm giving. Jesus gave His entire drop of every drop of blood He gave it whole life, his whole heart. The Bible says in the end, he looked up, he says it's finished. He gave up the ghost and the Bible said, and he breathed his last. As if to say, in that price that I was paying, I'm breathing it out. All I need for you to do is position yourself loyally to breathe it in. That's the price you and I have to pay. 
not price of perfection, but price that says, Lord, I want you in all of my life. Every part of it. Every struggle. Every habit. Every time I watch TV and no one else is looking and I want to turn on something I know I'm not supposed to, I want you in that there too. Every time that, that, that somebody angers me and I've got rage rising up inside, no, I want you in that too. That's not, I'm, that's not mine and this is yours. It's all yours. Do everything with it that you can do. If you realize that Revival, as John the Baptist said, is at hand. Would you stand with me? You got five minutes, at least till noon, and chicken calls, right? Or maybe you're willing to say, if it takes five minutes or it takes five hours, if it messes up my entire life schedule, whatever it takes. Breathe on me. Breathe in me. Would you sing this very familiar song? Would you sing this with Pastor Steph? Would you give this to the Lord as an offering? This is the This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me.
I'm so lost without you. Church, can you just pray? Pray out those of you that truly are just wanting more of Him, needing more of Him. Just pray right now, right where you're at. Cry it out unto the Lord. Cry it out unto the Lord. He will withhold no good thing from those that are walking before the Lord. He has more in store for you than you ever thought was possible. Something has been holding you back. God wants right now, wants you to know that He's released you of all of those things that would hold you back. Whether it's Satan or whether it's sin or whether it's circumstances, sickness, He's releasing you of all of it. You are released in Jesus' name. Do not grow weary in well-doing, but keep, keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Like the woman who came to Jesus and said, my daughter is demon-possessed and I need you to move. And Jesus, it seemed at first that he turned, he turned a blind eye to her and said, what have I got to do with you? And she kept seeking. And she went in before his face and said, oh, but Jesus, I, I need you now. And Jesus said, I'm not here for the dogs. And he turned and he began to walk away. And then she began beating on the heart of every single disciple. And then every disciple said, Jesus, do something with this crazy woman. She won't let us go. Like Jacob who said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jesus said, this is not meant for the dogs. And she said, I'll take a crumb, Lord. I'll take a crumb. Whatever. I'll take the crumb from the master's table. What she is saying is that I will be at the feet of the master's table. And I will sit here until something drops my way. That's what God is looking for in His church. Not for someone to say, well, I really don't feel it, so I'm just going to move on to something completely different and think that that's the answer. It's never been the answer. It's never been the answer. You're following flesh. Spirit. It's time to worship in spirit and in truth. You keep holding on. If all you can get is the hem of His garment, then you hold on to that hem. If all you can get is a crumb here or there, then I'll sit here until I get enough crumbs to make a bread. Like the man who had a son who was demon-possessed, he says, Lord, I believe, and I'm going to stay here until you help me with my unbelief. I'm here. I'm here. And maybe that's how we need to end this service. By just simply saying, God, here I am. Father, I'm going to ask 
everyone who is willing to do that, that they do so with their heart right now. And if that's you, Lord, just, or if that's you, say it to the Lord right now. Here I am, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. Here I am. If there's someone who needs to be relieved of sin, let salvation come to them right now. That Let them cry out for salvation right now. If you're struggling with a, with a habit, with sin, with something you know that God wants you out of, then right now, give Him your heart right now. If you're online, if you're here right now, Father, here I am. Here I am. I believe in You and I ask You, Lord, I ask You to save me. I repent. Lord, I turn and I come to You. I take advantage of the price You paid to set me free. I will not wallow in bondage again. Here I am, Lord. Save me. Here I am. Let not one excuse hold you back from being in His presence. And if you love Him, say amen. 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 God bless each and every one of you. We love you. We're here for you. If there's anything we can do, let us know. We're praying for you throughout the week. I hope you have a great, wonderful, and blessed week. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.